Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Well, college football's on notice, and per usual, the SEC is going to start a trend that I think is about to transpire, but there are not going to be any rescheduled games because of COVID. You get sick in college football, you forfeit, you lose. It's that simple. Is that fair? Let's discuss. Joe Rigotti hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Well, we got an answer to a question that I was curious about, and now I know the answer, at least with the SEC, and I would expect that this is going to be the case throughout the rest of college football. If your team's too sick to play, sorry, no grace period, no bye week to reschedule a game. You're finished, you're done, you're taking an L. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. No Coquel. He's on a plane as we speak. The modern marvel of aviation. He is headed to Charlotte for ACC Media Days. That's where uh, he'll be for the next few days. I'll be leaving tomorrow for Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days, but I'll make sure that I, I'm not leaving you at noon. I'll be here for you all week long, including tomorrow at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Joe Rigotti holding things down. We're in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, right off the cloudy yet humid intracoastal and we're with you on the free espn app as well as on your smart speaker hey alexa hey siri hey google play espn 106.3 so we are in the throes of uh, media days college football has arrived uh you know it's college football when you have coaches sitting down at a podium in front of a very very expensively printed sheet uh with their team's logo behind him and that's how you know that that is college football. And SCC has taken front and center. Uh, They are in Birmingham. And uh, yesterday, Greg Sankey, who is arguably the most influential commissioner, the most influential voice in all of college football, he answered a question that had been floating and floating and floating there for weeks and weeks and weeks. What if a team in this vaccine era gets too sick to play. What if they lose numbers to uh, COVID positives and contact tracing? And like last year, a roster is decimated and uh, you no longer have the numbers to put a team out on the field. Can you reschedule the game or not? And this was Greg Sankey's response to that. What I've identified for consideration among our membership is we remove those roster minimums and you're expected to play as scheduled. That means your team needs to be healthy to compete. And if not, that game won't be rescheduled. And thus, to dispose of the game, the forfeit word comes up at this point. We've not built in the kind of time we did last year, particularly at the end of the season to accommodate disruption. And unless we're going to do that, our teams are gonna have to be fully prepared to play their season as scheduled. So forfeit. That's the key word out of all of that. The F word. Forfeit. If your team cannot take the field because of an outbreak of COVID-19, then sorry, that's a loss for you. Unplayable, no contest, you move on. That's extreme. 
And I didn't think college football would go there. But when Greg Sankey says it, when that's going to be the SEC's maybe not-so-official policy, but that's going to be their approach to this, you bet your ass that the ACC will follow suit, the Big Ten will follow suit, the Big 12, the Pac-12, Conference USA, the AAC, all of those conferences will follow suit because the SEC, from that standpoint, is king. Forget on the field. When it comes to decision-making, the SEC is key. What happened last year? You remember? The Big Ten wasn't going to play football. The Pac-12 wasn't going to play football. Then the SEC decided, we're going to play football. And then guess what happened like three weeks later? The Big Ten and Pac-12 decided they were going to play football. So this is going to be the policy for every single conference throughout college football unless something shocking happens. You get rid of the roster minimums that existed last year. If you dipped under that, you couldn't put your team on the field. This year, the SEC says, we're doing away with that. And if you're too sick, if you have an outbreak, if your team's not vaccinated to an 85% threshold, that is what the SEC is looking for, an 85% threshold. And your team gets sick, you have an outbreak. We'll take away that minimum. But it also means you're probably playing some redshirt freshmen in massive games that you don't want them to play in. And if your team is too hurt for you to feel like uh, maybe you shouldn't be trotting them out there, then you've got to take an L. You've got to take a forfeit. That's significant. That's massive. But also, is it fair? Because we are talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. We are talking about a segment of the population that uh, they're just getting into independence. They're making a determination about whether or not they want this vaccine. They're heavily influenced by social media. I know that me, 19-year-old, I'd probably be a little more defiant, not hesitant, but defiant than I am now about getting vaccinated, about taking care of myself. So it's tough. You just wonder, is it fair? Is, is it fair to force COVID sick college football teams to forfeit in 2021. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can tweet at the show at ESPN West Palm. And I'll take this a step further as well. Are you really looking out for the college football teams if you're taking away that roster minimum and you might be forcing a guy who's not ready, who's not physically ready? who's not speed-wise ready to take the field. Because you know that coaches are going to do everything they possibly conceivably can to not have to forfeit, which means that Joe Bob Williker from Hoover, Alabama, he of 278 pounds, coming from high school, true freshman, left guard, he might be pressed into action. Some coaches would rather choose that guy who's physically not there whose uh, ability-wise not quite there, hasn't gotten nearly enough coaching, all of a sudden he's starting against LSU. That doesn't seem safe. That doesn't seem like that's in the best interest of the player. So is it fair for college football teams to have to forfeit if they have too large a COVID-19 outbreak, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. One more question on that. If a team doesn't meet the threshold, and I, I wonder if each league is going to have a different percentage, though, again, the SEC rules the day. 
They've said 85%. There are today, and we are, what's the day today? The 19th? I don't even know. It's the 20th. It's the 20th. We are a little over a month from week zero of the college football season. Just a little over a month. And there are six teams in the SEC, not one, not two, not three, six that have not met the 85% vaccinated threshold. That's the roster. That's the coaching staff. One of those teams, Florida. Dan Mullen's Florida Gators are not at 85%. FAU has Florida. Florida Atlantic, by the way, the team I call games for, longtime voice of Florida Atlantic football and basketball. I'm expecting to go to the swamp for week one and call that game, FAU in Florida. But with Florida under that threshold, who knows? Like, I, I, I don't know. FAU had its first two games last year dashed because of COVID. But also, if a team doesn't meet the threshold, whose fault is it? Where does that blame lie? Is it fair to actually put it on the players, these 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds? Is it fair to do that? Is it on them? Or would the coaches be to blame? Would the administration, the athletic director, be to blame? Who would be to blame for a team not hitting the COVID threshold? And full disclosure, I'm sitting here talking about Florida. I don't know where FAU stands in terms of percentage of roster vaccinated. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. So it might be unfair of me to be sort of poking at Florida here. And I will give Florida credit because Dan Mullen, who I make fun of a lot for being uh, a, a complete maniac, like last year just lost his mind on multiple occasions. He is on the record multiple times. Get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get your shots, make sure you do this or else we can't get back to normal. Like good, that's the message. Kirby Smart, Georgia head coach today, said, we're over the 85% threshold, but at the University of Georgia, we're going for 100%. Bravo. I mean, that's the message you need to send. But then, if a team doesn't get to the threshold, no matter what league they're in, and they put themselves at risk of having to forfeit games or putting players in that aren't ready to play college football, especially at the Division I level, whose fault does that lie on? Is it the players, or the coaches, or the admin? And is it fair to force COVID outbreak teams to possibly forfeit? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And, of course, hit us up on the Twitter at ESPN West Palm. JC is in West Palm. JC, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, JC? Hey, man. Um, listen, <laughs> I, I have the same questions you have, man, concerning the, the season. But one of the things that I think that you know, that I'm looking at is there's really no concerns for players. I think this is more about, you know, the dollars. Because... From what, I mean, from what standpoint? Because I agree there is dollar, there are dollars tied into this. From what standpoint? If, if you're going to come out and just be, you know, draconian and saying, well, then if you don't play, you know, if you don't meet the threshold, then, you know, you'll forfeit the games and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like they're really looking out for the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, from this standpoint, I would agree because, again, you don't want to be, by eliminating the roster minimums, you don't want to be putting right. guys out there who are not ready. And it, there's, no, it, there's no more dangerous sport 
I think, in the world than football when it comes to guys who aren't physically ready to actually take the field. You're running the risk of, forget COVID, if you do have a COVID outbreak and you have injured players that are sort of borderline, if you really don't want to take that forfeit, you're going to put them on the field as opposed to saying, oh, you can take this week off. You can rest up. I think that gets dangerous. And you're right. That's where money does come in. It's very dangerous, and, and and I'm a proponent of the vaccine. Yeah, and, sure. you know I believe everybody should take the vaccine, but at the same time, you cannot force people to do what they don't want to do. Right, and that's you what's know, tough. And, and so, I, I just wonder, from that standpoint, who has to answer to that though? Like, if your team doesn't meet that threshold, and again, you and I are on the same page vaccines are good they should happen uh but as we've seen you're not going to you're not going to uh force anyone to do this even if you're a college football player where does the blame lie do you put it on the players or do you put it on the coaches for not properly convincing players or the athletic director for not uh setting clear hey this is what's at stake like who shoulders the blame for that if you don't hit the threshold uh, well, Ken, uh, uh, sad to say, I'm going to bring a little bit of politics into it. This is why I think it's dangerous when you have people running around and saying all kind of stupid things, sure. you sure. know, as far as the vaccine is concerned. Sure. That has not helped. And that that is the big reason why we're not at a threshold, because I don't know. And JC, I don't know if you uh, did, did you did you attend college? No, I did, but my son did. Okay, so my you son know, played football. You when 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 you're going to go to college, like one of the first things they send you, so you know, with your son going, is what's his vaccine history, right? Like that, exactly, that, exactly. You know, and so well, that well, not play. just college. I mean, from from the time you register for for school. Yeah, I got, I've got my you, girls in pre-K, exactly, and and they need their vaccine history. And JC, appreciate the call. I I worry about whether the players are actually being looked out for here. From a money standpoint, you want to make sure that you're going to have Alabama and LSU on a Saturday night. Because, Joe, what happened last year when it was going to be final round of the Masters in November on uh, on, on Sunday, or, or third round of the Masters on a Saturday during the day, and then Alabama, LSU, from Death Valley on Saturday night. It was going to be glorious. CBS was going to rake in the advertising dollars. And what happened? LSU had a COVID outbreak, no game, and that was completely dashed. Like this, it's, I I wonder if, like Greg Sankey, that's great. He's taking a hard line. What he's trying to do is he's trying to say, get the shots. Get the jab, get the vaccine. Let's get this ball rolling. Come on. But there also is a part of this where I almost feel like they should have scheduled like they did last year. Because let's be clear about something, too. We are still within a year of the vaccine being made available. So you're, you're, you're trying to expedite this process, and you're trying to get a season going and do it as normal as possible when we haven't even had the vaccine in existence for a full year and yes, it's widely accessible. I, I'm, I agree. There's no reason for you not to have gotten the shot by this point. People have put it off, whether it's for ideological reasons, whether it's just for pure lazy reasons. Maybe it's for, um, for financial reasons. Maybe they're, I mean, it's lower, the, the, the lower classes had less access to vaccines. Like, that's a fact. But 
at the college campuses, if you're a college football player, it's there for you. It's widely available for you. But it also is within a year. Like, there is a, a significant amount of dedication that needs to go into, hey, um, I'm going to throw myself into to getting the vaccine. Why, why wouldn't this year you have the open holes in the schedule again so that then by 2022 you say, hey, it absolutely, this is drop dead. 2021 is the last possible year that we're going to have three open dates where we can reschedule. This is us trying to ease into normalcy instead of just trying to throw ourselves into normalcy. And that's how we're going to move forward. Because look what's happened with this country now that we've thrown ourselves back to normalcy. We're at 9% positivity rates in Miami-Dade County. We're up over 5% here in Palm Beach County again. Hospitals are filled again. That's what happens when you don't ease into something. You just throw the doors open. So college football's fallen into that trap. They are throwing the doors open because they're desperate to make the money that comes with getting the games off on time. And with that, inherently comes the question, are they actually worrying and caring about the player's well-being? Because this goes past COVID. This goes past whether or not you want the shot. There are going to be teams that have COVID outbreaks. There are going to be many teams that don't hit whatever the threshold is that's set forth. We know Florida's not there. That's official. We know this is going to happen, but that trickles down into injured players. Trickles down into players too young, not ready yet, too too green, too raw to actually see the field. The coaches are going to say, come on, get out there. Be tough. Execute what we've talked to you in practice. And then you get trucked by a 260-pound defensive end and your collarbone is broken, right? Like There are safety concerns with this by forcing teams to potentially have to take a forfeit like the SEC is going to do. And by extension, I think that'll trickle down to every league. Is it fair to have COVID-sick college football teams forfeit in 2021 if a team doesn't meet the vaccine threshold whose fault is it head coach athletic director the league commissioner 888-760-3776 888-760-3776 ken levick alive is presented by the fau mba sport management program and uh, it is coming up on the deadline to make sure that you are going to be able to see Joanne McCalley, Coach P, longtime college basketball coach, went to a national championship game in Michigan State, four-time ACC Coach of the Year at Duke, and spent her 30-year career being at the top of the sport while also battling bipolar disorder. She is an incredible story, and she's speaking to the FAU MBA Sport Management Program class. Uh, that is coming up. Uh, on uh, Thursday, that'll be Thursday night, 7 o'clock, but to register to be a part of that, register to see her, register to hear her speak, you've got to go to fau.edu slash sport and register by 9 a.m. tomorrow. By 9 a.m. tomorrow. That's fau.edu slash sport to see the great Joanne McCalley. She is truly one of the most fascinating people that's ever come through college basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, no matter the era. Uh, Joanne McCalley, Coach P, as they call her, speaking to the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, 7 o'clock p.m. on Thursday, but you've got to pre-register to see it. fau.edu slash sport. Register tomorrow by 9 a.m. Is it fair to force... COVID sick college football teams to forfeit like the SEC is going to do. Whose fault is it if a team doesn't hit the vaccine threshold? 888 760 3776. 
888-760-3776. Our Twitter machine is at ESPN West Palm. When we return, what is the weirdest regional delicacy? Because last night, we saw Skyline Chili absolutely crapped on, which is ironic because it's usually the other way around. He's Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Levick Live. Here's Ken Levick and Chris Coquel. Waiting for the exhale. We're about to make the obvious transition from COVID-19 vaccines to chili with a bunch of cheese on top of it. Ken Levick Alive here on ESPN 106.3. Hey, the Ken Levick Alive podcast is there for you. You can embrace it. You can bring it to your bosom, and you can listen to its digital greatness. All you have to do is subscribe to it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It is damned free. We're doing it for you. Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel Podcast. Again, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss uh, my exclusive chat with uh, Dolphins quarterback Jacoby Brissett, uh, the presumed backup to Tua. It is right there on the Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel Podcast where he talks about how uh, he started seeing a therapist after Andrew Luck retired, openly talked about it, explained why he started seeing a therapist as he was taking over that Colts football team. Why is he actually good friends with the guy who took his job in Indy, Philip Rivers, and what are his impressions of Tua? Jacoby talks about all that, the Dwyer High School product. Dolphins quarterback Jacoby Brissett on the Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel podcast. And one more time, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to it. Last night on SNY, uh, it was Mets and Reds from Cincinnati, and the SMY broadcasters, I mean, that is that's that is the best television broadcast in all of baseball. I don't care what team you follow. I don't care if you love your local broadcast team. What the Mets broadcast brings in terms of just how uh, brash they are, how good they are, how really um, open and honest they are. If the Mets don't play well, they're going to call them out. If the Mets play well, they're going to call that out. Uh, If something bothers them, if the umpires suck, they're going to call it out. They're just good. Last night, though, they had some culinary thoughts. They had some food thoughts. Let's listen to this from SNY, and let me just paint the picture. You're watching a vendor put together Skyline Chili. Here's Gary Cohen. This is the local delicacy known as Skyline Chili. The five-way with the spaghetti and the beans and the cheese. Five way. First, the uh, the disgusting chili gravy. <laughs> and what do you put on the onions? You put some mustard or something? Oh, no, wait a second. When you, after the onions comes the cheese, and that's what makes it the five way. Here we go. It's the cheese. They put like ten tons of, of shredded cheese on there, and this is supposed to be food that you actually eat. Now, does the cheese melt, or is that? Uh, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie, have you ever had skyline chili? I have not. I have not. I would recommend not having it. Well, no. You, you need to try everything once. Okay. okay? All right. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Try it once, and then you'll never eat it again. <laughs> uh, Gary Cohen uh, with uh, with the the truth about skyline chili, Cincinnati's proud culinary tradition. Skyline chili, and Ron Darling providing the questions there on SNY last night. Okay. So this needs to be discussed because I have had Skyline Chili once in my life. And it was five-way Skyline Chili. And again, 
what is five-way Skyline Chili? It is the spaghetti. That is the base. Beans are involved in it. Uh, then you have the chili. And as Gary Cohen put it, the disgusting chili uh, sauce. Then you have the cheese, the 10 pounds of cheese, and the onions. I had it once because I figured I'm in Cincinnati. Why the hell not? It absolutely tore apart my insides. I mean, it was like a murder scene. It was horrific. I was like four hours later, and my body was not ready for this. It was first rumbling, and then it was like ripping, and then it was like burning, and then it was like exploding. Like that was, that was, (laughs) there's a five-way skyline chili I had four stages of terror. Like, that's how that worked out for me. It was absolutely brutal. But think about it. Spaghetti, beans, chili, cheese, and onions. Who the hell comes up with that? How does that even exist? How is that a thing that people at one time thought, ah, I've got all this crap laying around. Let's all put it on top of one another and then eat it. And then, not only that, it wasn't a one-off. It became like the culinary delight of the city of Cincinnati and the pride of northern Kentucky. Skyline chili is not good, and it's weird. But I ask you, what is the weirdest regional delicacy in this country? What is the weirdest regional delicacy in this country? Because a lot of different cities have them. Skyline chili might be the weirdest. What is the weirdest regional delicacy in this country? 888 888- 760-3776, 888-760-3776. And I know the obvious place this is going to go to for anybody that knows my Chicago background, because it always finds a way to circle back to this, but someone, and I've been getting the tweets this morning, people saying, oh, well, Ken, deep dish pizza's weird. It's not pizza. It's a casserole. It's got pie crust. And then it's got a huge lump of cheese. And then, why is the sauce on top? And why is the sausage in a sheet? What is that? That's not pizza. Deep dish pizza's lame. How ca- if deep dish pizza was so amazing, why wouldn't they sell it nationwide? Like, I've gotten that a bunch this morning, including being ripped on about deep dish pizza by the Sun Sentinel's Dolphins reporter, Omar Kelly. Thanks, Omar. Deep dish pizza is delicious. There's nothing weird about it. It's just a recreation of... Pizza. It's taking pizza and basically putting it on delicious steroids. Like, that's what deep dish pizza is. And if you don't appreciate the sheet sausage, then I don't trust your taste buds, okay? Deep dish pizza and Skyline Chili aren't even in the same stratosphere of culinary delights. One, people took something and made it better. The other... Someone seemingly drunkenly threw together a bunch of stuff that was in their kitchen, and then that locked in as the culinary delicacy of Cincinnati. What is the weirdest regional delicacy, the weirdest regional delicacy, food-wise, in this country? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us, at ESPN West Palm. Uh, I did get a, a tweet from a, a proud Clevelander earlier today who is having none of the regional delicacy description. In fact, 
Uh, let me see if I can find this. Yes. Uh, Zane tweets, delicacy, regional, tri-city. Skyline Chili is pretty much just Cincinnati. Please don't include the rest of Ohio in the idea that it's a delicacy here. It's not often that the city of Cleveland is ever going to try and distance itself from something. And uh, Cleveland is generally a city that gets ripped on by outsiders. It's really the one that doesn't have much superiority over others. And when you have Cleveland saying, "Uh uh-uh, don't lump me in with Cincinnati, I think that's pretty significant. Um, uh, Billy the Marlin tweets, Skyline Chili is weird, but it doesn't hold a candle to the Rochester, New York garbage plate. And this is something that when I was on the home team, Josh had brought up, I had never, ever heard of it. So this is the garbage plate, and apparently this is famous to Rochester, New York. It's, according to Josh, because I reached out to him after I saw, you've got to see a picture of a garbage plate, by the way. It looks inedible. I mean, it it looks like something that came out of your body. It came through an orifice in your body and ended up on a paper plate. This is the uh, garbage plate. According to Josh, either burger patties or butterflied white hots with macaroni salad, fries or home fries covered in diced onion, ketchup, mustard, hot sauce, and meat sauce. Amazing. That was the description from Josh, and after reading that description, I'm not sure if amazing is the word that would come to mind. That's the garbage plate in Rochester, New York. Again, either burger patties or butterflied white hots with macaroni salad. Why the macaroni salad? Fries or home fries covered in diced onion, ketchup, mustard, hot sauce, and meat sauce. Do you people like pain? I mean, this is just an honest question. Do you like pain? Because that's horrifying. And these are only things you... I did not eat the Skyline Chili drunk, by the way. I was completely sober eating it. And maybe that's the problem. Is that these are things that you have to be drunk enough to actually eat. Because that was... I mean, man, the aftermath was awful. Uh, Chuck tweets, Rocky Mountain Oysters being an Oklahoma-Texas delicacy is also a very weird one. Now, Rocky Mountain Oysters, if I'm not mistaken... Um, those are, um, those are, those are testicles, I believe. Uh, we'll make sure that we, uh, properly, uh, make sure that we, we identify. Yes. Rocky Mo- uh, mountain oysters or mountain oysters or meatballs, also known as prairie oysters in Canada is a dish made of bull testicles. The organs are often deep fried after being skinned, coated in flour, pepper, and salt, and sometimes Pounded flat. Oh, man, that hurts. Like, I feel that. Sorry about that, bulls. This delicacy is most often served as an appetizer. Let's make something clear as well. Say I'm a bull, okay? I'm, I'm a bull. I'm just hanging out, grazing. And I get slaughtered, and they take my guys, right, after the fact. And they don't serve them as an entree. Instead, they serve them... As an appetizer, that's deeply offensive. Deeply offensive. As was what happened to me after I ate the Skyline Chili. Skyline Chili. Is it the weirdest regional delicacy in the United States? Or does that belong to Rocky Mountain oysters, which are testicles? Or the garbage plate in Rochester? 
Because after talking about all of those, there's no way that you haters can put deep dish pizza in that discussion. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And hit us up on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Hey, if you have a personal injury matter, whether it's a slip and fall, a boating accident, an automobile accident, a motorcycle accident, you think someone's at fault and you want compensation, well, you need to get a hold of Pat Lawler, Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. They have your back, and they also uh, they have the desire to fight for you. Sometimes, especially in South Florida, you're just a number. Uh, oh, we're going to take on this case. You're case number 57, and that's all you are. There's no personal connection. There's no initiative for them to win the case other, for, other than for them to make money. Uh, with Lawler & Associates, they are going to sit down, they're going to listen to you, and they're going to make sure that they are invested in you. They are going to get you what you deserve. It is their passion. It is what they do. Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys, your free consultation, wanttolawyerup.com, wanttolawyerup.com. And these guys are just not new lawyers on the block. They have decades of trial experience. That's Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys, wanttolawyerup.com. That's wanttolawyerup.com, Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys hey another billionaire went to space today and i'm trying to figure out why this matters and oh yeah the milwaukee bucks can win the nba championship tonight we'll cover both of those when we come back he's joe rigotti i'm ken levick i'm live on espn 106.3 it's ken levick alive on espn 106.3 presented by fau mba and sport management program here's ken and coquel my life be like All right, so apparently we're all going to space now. Who knew? Right, that's if you got enough money, we're going to space. Uh, I promise we're going to weave in some NBA finals within uh, uh, this this space talk, but bear with me because I have my own show and I have questions about why we're all going to space now. Ken Levick alive. Coquel is on the road. He will be at ACC Media Days in Charlotte for the next couple of days. I will be tomorrow after the show heading to. Indianapolis, the bustling metropolis for Big Ten media days. Uh, so I can I can uh, rub shoulders with Ryan Day and Brett Bielema and Paul Christ and the best that the Big Ten has to offer. Jim Harbaugh, we'll request him. We'll see if I actually... Uh, I'm not sure that uh, me, West Palm guy, is going to be high on the list of media members for Jim Harbaugh to speak to. So Joe Rigotti uh, making sure that things are going relatively smoothly, per usual, here on Ken Levick Alive. Um, but I, I do have a question. This is the part of the show that we like to call Ken Asks for Help. I need to be informed. I need to learn something because in the last nine days, we've had two billionaires shoot themselves into space now. First, it was Richard Branson, a virgin. And then today, it was Amazon's Jeff Bezos. That's right. The same guy that you buy your 12-pack of paper towels from that get delivered to your doorstep, that guy who allows that to happen used the money that you use to pay for paper towels to go to space. Like that, 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 is, that is how that took place. I'm trying to figure out what human achievement has come from this because i grew up loving space 
Space is fascinating. I'm a typical little kid. Like, oh, the stars and the moon and spaceships and astronauts. And it was great. It was great. I still love space. But I'm not quite sure what it does for the human race that Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos actually went into space. Other than the fact that they had enough money to pay for their own rockets. And by the way, try. I dare you. Try to look at a photo or any video of Jeff Bezos' rocket and its shape and try not to laugh hysterically or at least giggle today. All right? It's a little phallic. That's all I'll say. He, he flew a big phallic rocket into space. Just try not and giggle when you look at a picture of it if you haven't seen it yet. But I know that there are a lot of space nerds out there, and there's a lot of technological nerds out there, and people that really think more about the human race than I do. So I'm asking this genuine question that I need answered, and the only reason I'm asking this is because I have this platform, and I trust the people that listen to this show that might be able to shed some light on this for me. What human achievement have we seen from Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos going to space? What advancement has humanity made? Why does this matter? Or was it just them showing off their money? I'm sincerely asking. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And so uh, I get a text here from, from Dr. Reardon of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. And uh, he, he texts me, the astrophysicist uh, physicist on CNN this morning from Rochester University said people will actually live on Mars and the moon in the coming generations. Uh, and he's an, who am I to argue with an astrophysicist? Who, who am I to, to argue with that? Okay, great. But we also have had, I don't know, NASA and astronauts and cosmonauts and Israel has, a, has astronauts now and uh, China. And so I know that at some point we're going to have to, if we're going to move to the moon and other planets, we're going to have to get on rockets and do this. How did, how did Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos, how did they advance us towards that? This isn't our first rodeo in space. And if you watched CNN all day today, their tweets were edge of space. It wasn't even like respectful to Jeff Bezos. It was flying to the edge of space. But Jack Whitten on Twitter made a good point. Why isn't it the edge of the earth? Like space is all expansive. Like that's not the edge of space. They went to the edge of the, the earth's atmosphere like he's right he's right but why why does jeff bezos and richard branson going matter because we have astronauts like and it makes you appreciate too that the early astronauts basically went into space with a tin can with buttons and a big ass rocket strapped to it and now you've got jeff bezos in his phallic rocket going up into space why does this matter does someone explain this to me 888-760-3776 760-3776. You can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. And tonight is, yes, game six of the NBA Finals. Uh, you've got the Bucks looking to close it out, looking to beat the Suns, and we have a lot of legacy talk. I mean, you go to ESPN right now, and it is all legacy all the time. Can Giannis cement his legacy as one of the greatest big men of all time? What is this going to do to Chris Paul's legacy if the Suns end up losing tonight. Who is this game bigger for tonight? Is it Giannis or is it Chris Paul? 
888-760-3776. Giannis has, to me, put himself in a spot where he is now an elite player in the NBA. He, Yes, I know he's an MVP, but he hasn't been this before. Not in the playoffs, at least. And he has picked, after almost cracking his leg in half, he has picked this series to be the most elite version of himself. He is going to be in the pantheon of big men, great big men, and the only other big man he's really rivaling, uh, rivaling in terms of production is Shaq in finals history. That's significant. This is a guy who, as a big man, will have led his team to an NBA championship. That's legacy-defining. Even if it never happens again, that's legacy-defining. Then there's Chris Paul, who has spent 16 years in the NBA and may blow a 2 nothing series lead, which has been a little bit of his M.O., in his career. Now, Bamani Jones took exception to that on Twitter uh, yesterday, saying, what are we doing here when that was brought up by ESPN Stats and Info? But there's something to that. I mean, Chris Paul is known for as a guy who's been a great player, but has not been able to close out playoff series, and this would be no different. But all he's done, an Olympic champion, gold medal winner, uh, really rebuilt the Clippers franchise, brought the Hornets slash Pelicans franchise to prominence, reinvented himself. You can't overlook those things. He is a snap-of-your-finger Hall of Famer. What does it do to his legacy, though, if he's not able to win a championship? But if he wins tonight, suddenly the pressure is on Giannis because, yeah, the Suns or the, the Bucks stole Game 5 in Phoenix, but would the Bucks in a Game 7 be able to go back to the desert and win on the road Again? That's a tall task. Who is this game more important for tonight? Giannis Antetokounmpo or Chris Paul? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. You can stream at ESPN West Palm and on the free ESPN app, and feel free to tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. Because this is a... This is, this is a, a legacy-defining instance. Like, I tease ESPN, but with what we do in this industry, legacy does matter. Giannis is about to leave a legacy, potentially. Him and Shaq would stand alone in terms of finals production from a big man. And he's chosen the biggest moments to come up with his career-defining plays. He's had back-to-back career-defining plays. Whether it's the blocked alley-oop, in uh, game five or, or in game four, or it's the alley oop, the finish while being fouled in game five. It's incredible. And he's been a defensive master in this series. And oh, yeah, the back to back to back 40 point games as well. It's amazing what he's done, how he's transformed, and he's done it on one leg. I feel better about him as a player now than I have at any point in his career. And then there's Chris Paul, trying to avoid infamy, trying to avoid blowing another 2-0 series lead, and trying after 16 years where he's literally done everything else, trying to stay alive in a final series where his team was the favorite. But if the Suns do win tonight, that whole narrative changes. It turns on its head. And Chris Paul's suddenly back in the driver's seat of his destiny. Who is this game more important for tonight? Giannis 
who can solidify his legacy as one of the greatest big men of all time, or Chris Paul, who's done everything except win a title, trying to keep the season alive for a team that was not expected to do anything this season and get them into a Game 7. 888-760-3776. Boom City on Twitter uh, weighing in on billionaires going to space and why it matters. Uh, he tweets, billionaires are telling the poor to get our weight up money-wise because nobody's getting on Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson's spaceship with a couple hundred mil. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I mean, I wonder, ultimately, if we do have commercial flights to space, how much that's going to be per ticket. I mean, you're going to have to be the richest of the rich, like flat-out richest of the rich. And here's my issue with just randomly going to space, okay? And I understand what the astrophysicist is saying, the one that Dr. Reardon of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program texted me about. I understand that, yeah, we might be having to inhabit the moon or inhabit Mars at some point. That's fine. But in the short term, because that's not going to happen for a long time, in the short term, if I'm going to space, it better actually take me somewhere. I'm not going to just go to space so I can float around for like five minutes and then come right back down to the desolate field in Texas where I took off from. Like, if I'm going to space, I want to skip on the atmosphere and then come down and like land in Budapest or something. What's the point? If I have a choice of going on a plane and actually going somewhere and floating around for five minutes and then taking a hard landing like Jeff Bezos did today in a dusty field in Texas... Sign me up for the no peanuts anymore on a flight to, like, Pittsburgh. At least I feel like I've accomplished something. Did you, I, And I don't know how many people saw this, but the Jeff Bezos landing today, it, was, it looked like the old Apollo capsule. It had the huge parachutes, and then it came down and down and down and down and down, and then it landed like, like it was a hard landing. Like, it jostled them, and all this dust, this desert just fly. I'm like, that was... The, the the least like graceful outcome for all that money I'm putting into a rocket, I want something that's going to land a little bit smoother. Give me like the space shuttle thing where we can at least land like an airplane. Like, come on, Bezos. You're worth more than that. Get some wheels on that thing. You don't need to plop down in the desert. Like, come on. Like, that's the type of treatment my Amazon package gets at my front door. Just like tossed on the porch. You can do better than that coming back from space. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's go to West Palm and let's talk to Stephen. Hey, Stephen. What's up, Ken? I want to answer both your questions about Giannis and then about this space thing. Right. What is the benefit as far as Jeff Bezos and the other guy going to space? Absolutely nothing because their whole perspective is to make money. They're not trying to yeah. you know, benefit humanity. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And let me yep. go on Giannis and Chris Paul. Um, obviously, I think it's more vital for Chris Paul's legacy only because Giannis is so long. He's he, young. He yeah. could come back and not win a championship for five years and then win five straight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to leave it at. I, Thanks, I, man. I appreciate it, Stephen. And I, I, if it, from a, a macro perspective, absolutely. Like, this game is so much more important for Chris Paul from a pure survival standpoint. Like, and that's the last piece of his legacy that he needs is that championship. But are we going to look back at Chris Paul 10 years from now and and automatically say, oh, he's the guy that didn't win a title? Or is he going to be more 
the guy who actually made the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans something worth a damn, the guy who reinvented the Clippers franchise because they weren't bleep until the NBA forced them there, the guy who was endlessly productive, the guy who came within a game of beating, and, and you could argue if he didn't get hurt, beating the mighty Warriors to go to an NBA Finals in Houston alongside James Harden. Like Maybe Chris Paul has more of his legacy set in stone than we're giving him credit for. Whereas Giannis, in a league that's dominated by guards, dominated by the perimeter, he may have already put himself in a spot where he's changed the game. He may be the exception to what the game has become. He may be the exception to the rule that you need dominant perimeter play because he's been dominant in the paint, in the post, done nothing outside 10 feet, and he's been the main contributor to a team that's on the precipice of winning a championship. It's multiple ways to look at it. This game, from a long-term perspective, who's it more important for, Giannis or CP3? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, or tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Quick reminder, December 18th, 11 a.m., that's right, it's the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl at FAU Stadium, beautiful FAU Stadium. It's where I make my home during the fall. Uh, you'll not, you're not going to want to miss this. This is the big-time college football in your backyard, a championship is played in Palm Beach County. Last year, Zach Wilson, now the quarterback of the Jets, taken number two overall, and his BYU Cougars came in and stopped all over UCF uh, at FAU Stadium. Roofclaim.com, Boca Raton Bowl, December 18th, 11 a.m. Find out more about it, including when tickets are going to be available and how you can get involved at RoofclaimBocaRatonBowl.com. That's RoofclaimBocaRatonBowl.com. When we return... The soap opera that has dominated the summer as another episode, and it drops next. Cheese land. He's Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Spend your lunch with Ken by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken Levick Alive. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken Levicka and Chris Coquel. Oh, more is here on the Aaron Rodgers front, and some of you know what that means. We're about to get into the next episode of our soap opera. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. And uh, before we get to another edition of As the Cheese Turns, got to tell you about EDS air conditioning, because EDS is, yes, it is so hot. It is so gross. It is so uncomfortable. And imagine if you're in your house, your apartment, your condo, your AC goes out, like it's just trapping all that heat. It's of urgent matter that you get this rectified. EDS is yes, edsairconditioning.com. Uh, they've been doing it in South Florida and especially in Palm Beach County since 2006. They are family-owned and operated, uh, and they're using the best equipment. They're a trained comfort specialist. It's hard to stop a train. That means that they uh, have the top-notch equipment that they're using, the top-notch uh, AC units that they're using to make sure that you are uh, paying for uh, for the best. 
You want to make sure that you get the best. You don't want this happening to you again. That's EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is yes. Go to edsairconditioning.com. That's edsairconditioning.com. Good point, uh, by the way, by um, by by Dr. Reardon of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Jeff Bezos, like he's not uh, all, I mean, is he showing off his money? Yeah, he's flexing his money big time going to space. But uh, he did take the naming rights for the Seattle Kraken, their hockey franchise, the new hockey franchise. Uh, and uh, he has bought the naming rights, but Amazon's not going to be anywhere in it. But it's going to be the the most carbon footprint conscious stadium, arguably, in the world. Like, that's pretty legit. Like, that is what you can't argue with. So, some money to show off your big phallic rocket and some money to make an environmentally sound stadium. It balances out. All right, let's go to the soap opera, please, Joe Rigotti. As the cheese turns. This portion brought to you today by... FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. And by... Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. Our high-quality production that actually was. It's been a while since we had it as the cheese turns. Well, well, well. Aaron Rodgers, turns out, has turned down a deal from the Packers that would have made him the highest-paid player in the NFL. It would have locked him into Green Bay for the next five years. And he said, nope. Sorry, not doing it. And I'll let Stephen A. Smith on first take take it from here. The bottom line is this. This is proof of what I've been talking about for months. It's not about football. It's not just about the money. It's not just, and it certainly isn't about football. The Green Bay Packers were 13 and 3 in back to back years under Matt LaFleur as the head coach. They went to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games, which means they were a part of the Final Four for two consecutive years. What idiot out there would possibly think this is football? This is not about football. This is about the way that the Green Bay Packers have treated their star player. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well said by Stephen A. Smith, who's already having a better week this week than he did last week. He stayed away from Shohei Otani. That's good, and he's making good, valid points now about Aaron Rodgers. That's good. You're right. That's proof. Aaron Rodgers, if it was about the money, this would be a done deal. That shows that it's not about the money. It's deep-seated. He doesn't like his treatment. He's holding firm. He will not be at training camp, and Aaron Rodgers will never, ever, 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 ever play a snap for the Green Bay Packers again. He doesn't want to be the highest-paid player in the game. He doesn't want a five-year commitment. The ship has sailed. Aaron Rodgers is gone. He won't be the Packers quarterback again. That'll do it for us. Tomorrow we'll be at Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Uh, Rigotti's going to be hanging out. And Theo Dorsey of WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. He'll be my sidekick tomorrow. Can't wait for that. It'll be good to have him on the show before I head off to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. He's Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick, and we've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.